0: Among the early lessons of Earth is that when you build your space station that holds all of your communicable diseases, don't build a kill box to allow people to be put into so they might be affected with them. Here on View your please a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I was wondering how I was going to get to kill you. I'm your co-host, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> we did two episodes on Borderlands. Honestly, I feel like we almost could have done two episodes on Home. And that might be the case for a lot of the Season 4 stuff, because I have a ton I want to get to. And something I missed when we talked about home was more about the relationship between Hernandez and Archer and how up to this point, Archer has been very like chaste as a character minus Pokemon. Yeah. That's an interesting contrast to all the rest of the captains who have whose romantic lives are a much bigger part of their character. In my opinion, including Picard, including Picard. And I'll explain why. You know, Kirk was a is is portrayed as a classic romantic hero, right? Going, you know, episode to episode, woman to woman. Speaking but, of guys with their shirts off, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and probably the origin of like Star Trek having a relatively healthy female audience relative to other things. And then you have Picard, who's very restrained on purpose in this part of his life, to the point where it becomes a key plot point in many ways. He doesn't have children. He doesn't have a spouse. And he has chosen to sacrifice these things to achieve perfection in his career. And he has like a couple flings. And those flings interfere with his ability to execute on this perfection. And in, that's why he doesn't pursue them. And the one woman he's really in, in, interested in, he can never adequately pursue in a way that makes it work with his career. Did you see all the the drama with him and Vosh? Yeah, that he actually, like, banged her IRL and got divorced over it. Real dick move, huh?
1: Well, yes, literally, in that case. (laughs) I don't know if Patrick Stewart putting that autobiography out really ultimately is doing him any favors.
0: Well, that was a story that was out there for a long time. I never knew about it, man. Like, that's... That's why when you, you saw him uh, kissing uh, Vosh, it's it's like she, he's going for it, right? Like mm, he, he was enjoying that on and off camera. <laughs> but, uh, and then, you you know, Cisco, his drama is actually something I'm really looking forward to unpacking with you since you're a father. He's an, a single dad. He's raising his son. His wife has been killed. He's also trying to seek, you know, what do you do in that circumstance? And then, um uh, Janeway obviously we cover that right like she she struggled with finding some way to have a romantic partner because she can't bang anyone on the ship and everyone knows that which is why she ends up with a holographic boyfriend to buy her own description
1: you know that's on her she had a perfectly good space mark she did she She found her space mark
0: yeah it was in the seventh season though That was after he was she was banging the hologram. Yeah.
1: She had plenty of choices. Uh, She had plenty of opportunities and chances, and she always made the choice to be alone, which was that her choice or was that the homeostasis requirement by the end of every episode of Voyager to hit the reset button? Which, hmm, where would that have gone if there wasn't a demand on the show to return to normal? Or I would have you-
0: loved to have seen that alternate universe version of Voyager that had Enterprise's mm-hmm. level of continuity. That would have been a fascinating show. And it probably would have been Battlestar worn- Galactica. Well, Yeah, I was going to say, it probably would have lacked a lot like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, and then Archer, like, they finally kind of give him a, a real romantic partner. Uh, and I like Hernandez a lot. I, I think we we both came to that conclusion while we were watching the episode that like she m- makes sense as Archer's. I um, need to see her as a command authority figure before I say I like her as a character. As a romance option, sure, she's good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like as a romance option, she really works. But they really waited until kind of the end of the show to even kind of give him that. It's not car. the
1: end. of I mean, it wasn't supposed to be the end of the show. This should be the midpoint
0: of the show. I think they knew it was over though.
1: And they started to, they, and they brought it in and it was good that they right. did. But they didn't know this was going to be the end of the show until what? The end of season three. So if you had a rough idea in your head of how this show was going to play out, there's certain things like, all right, we want uh, Archer to be a bad captain for the first two seasons. And then three and four, he starts getting his act together. And then, Five, six, seven. He's going to be a great captain, uh, you know, romance, this trip, Tucker uh, and and to Paul that like by the original plans that I'm sure they laid out. F- season four is rushing to realize a lot of the long term stuff that should have been
0: slow drip otherwise. Fair point. Fair point. But yeah, let's let's go, man. There's so much to unpack. What did we watch this week we're getting into season
1: four, episode five, Cold Station 12. First aired November 5th. Oh, that'd be uh, five days ago. We're on the November 10th here. Uh, 2004. This is directed by Mike Vizier, written by Michael Bryant, which I don't think we know Bryant from anything, do we?
0: I think Mike Bryant only writes this episode in Daedalus, which is another yeah, episode this yeah, season. Yeah. This is just so packed with everything I'm not used to from Enterprise. I watched it twice. Um, some of the best acting and complexity I feel like I've seen in some time in Trek, and it's. It, I, I remember after getting done watching it the second time, I, I went to to Facebook our Facebook group, which everyone should join and said, like, I, I'm really glad this show is as good as I remember, because I haven't watched the fourth season in so long because I've been saving it you know, for when we were going to review it. That I wondered, like, did my imagining that it's good? Am I imagining that it's compelling drama that has a lot of, going on? No, actually, it's good. It's very good. Um, and, you know, there, there's a couple spots where, you know, the seams show, particularly like the CG looking over at all the, Embryos near near the end, a couple spots like that doesn't quite work, but a lot of the stage acting elements of it really do. The moral the moral conflicts all
1: hit super well. There's two big things that this episode has going for it, and you just named them right there. Uh, You've got good actors in play. Brett Spiner, I'm looking at you. Oh yeah, and. You've got just classic Shakespearean elements at play. That uh, there's a lot of room to explore on paper, or to CAD just flipping through the show. If if you this is on cable, this should look like trash. Yeah, the set pieces are basic as fuck. The CG is bad. There's some pretty decent fights in here. Uh, but the stuff that really matters is, you know, like people being interrogated, watching someone suffer, uh, and it all ties into budget, right? So Brett Spiner, who went seven plus years as data, never being able to really play emotionally and having to maintain shtick gimmick, whatever you want to call data's limitations. And now he's got a very passionate and emotional. Human being, and it's a great chance for him to stretch his wings and really fly with it And this entire episode rides on his back. There's good actors in the Enterprise cast. And at this point, Scott Bakula being given scripts to portray an Archer that is not a complete fucking piss soaked tampon.
0: Right, right. The the days of the of the night in sick bay Archer are long gone, but he's not really the focus on this. Um, so
1: the budget constraints you're seeing in Enterprise contrast that with season seven, season six of Enterprise, where they had baller ass budgets. They were one of the biggest shows on television. Season six, season seven of X Gen. Next Gen. I'm meant? sorry, is that what yeah. I say?
0: You said Enterprise.
1: Sorry, next. Just Gen. Then you come over to this, which for all intents and purposes, they're working on the budget of like community theater, you know? Oh yeah. 800,000 an episode, not much, even then. And still able to put on compelling, deep ass shit.
0: And uh, the we have said this before, it remains true. When you limit the budget, you prevent people from doing gimmicks. You prevent people from doing showy things. What do you have to return to? You have to return to stage drama, the cheapest thing in the world, people talking to each other and having some kind of interaction, conflict or argument. And each of the most compelling and uh, captivating, in some cases, scenes in this episode have to do with just people in a basic set talking to each other. And where actors get to explore their craft and create in the camera with the material, and that costs you nothing. And like you said, they they made use of who they had here effectively. And even the overacting uh nature of the augments themselves actually really works here. Where it was kind of a detriment last week when they're all kind of yes. interacting with each other. Yeah. There's no they're not interacting with human characters at all, right? And it just kind of comes off as cheesy and weird. Now they're, they're, they're more in conflict for the entire episode. And you start to see th- how s- this isn't, this isn't funny. All right. Like these guys are, f- these guys are, uh, fucking monsters. And there's a reason why. And then it just changes the tone of everything that you're experiencing with them. So again, very interesting
1: to watch this stuff after having just watched strange new worlds where they really try to plead the case that, uh, genetically engineered humans, you know, are nothing to be ashamed of and
0: that is that Federation I hate that episode and, even more after having been reminded about this episode particularly. Like is this makes such an compelling case as to why humans are banned from doing genetic engineering? They banned themselves from doing genetic engineering. That's the that's what this episode finally tells you, is we couldn't fucking handle having this power. We nearly destroyed ourselves, and we had to say, no one's allowed to do it. It is the most forbidden thing, because we just saw what a small amount of these fucking psychos can cause.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we'll get into that when we, we arrive kind of like where that explanation happens between Archer and Phlox, but we st- uh we open up in this episode with was it 11
1: years prior correct when he's with them as children interesting that soon's got green eyes i didn't pick up on that before uh brett spiner's not allowed on the set unless they're putting contacts on i guess <laughs> poor guy had to be more uh, comfortable i guess though <laughs> yeah. uh listen as long as he doesn't have the cake white makeup i think he, he's happy Uh, and again, you know, to him specifically, this came out 2004. What year was nemesis? 2003. So this is right at the tail end. still looking good. Oh yeah. He had a lot of complaints that I saw, you know, about wanting to hang up the data character. You know, I can't keep playing this guy that's supposed to be frozen in time where I'm getting older and balder and fatter. And it's like, I don't know, man,
0: you're still looking pretty good in this stuff. I mean, this would have been when he was in his fifties, so I mean, now he's in his 70s. This is 19 years ago. Sure. Um,
1: But this is 11 years prior to the end universe date, which is 2154. So this is 2143 when we're seeing the flashbacks here. Uh, And this is a soon who has already stolen the embryos from cold station 12. And he is now raising them on whatever fucking planet it is. And this is like a really cool, like, let's flesh out the idea that this soon guy isn't just a lunatic, that he is a guy with a vision. But his attachment to these augments truly is paternal, Uh, and it'll go into deeper explanation later where, you know, he's standing in this vault full of uh, embryo storage. (laughs) What was it? Uh, How many? 15,000 or something.
0: Yes. I forget it was 1,500 or
1: 1,500. The difficulty he had in picking only 19 of them, reviewing their files, knowing who the parents are, knowing the capabilities that these kids would have, giving them names and picking 19 of his favorite to, to steal, bring to this planet, and actually give life to. Uh, and it's during these scenes where, I'm forced to be confronted with the fact that the children actors are better than the portrayals that we got from the last episode. (laughs) I'm like, damn, not only are these kids like decent actors, but they're better than the guys were fucking uh,
0: last week. Like, all right, give me some more of them. When we flash back, uh, we are on the bridge of the Klingon bird of prey that was hijacked. And Soon is coming up with his plan for raiding Cold uh, Station 12 to get those embryos. And the through line here is his power struggle essentially with Malik and what forms that take. And they waste no time in introducing that conflict by Soon clearly wanting to do this with zero body count, if possible. Because he is chaotic, neutral, not evil. And Malik questioning that wisdom and... We had talked last week. Is he a bad guy? Is he a
1: villain? He's the antagonist. He's an antagonist. And this episode specifically hammers in the fact he is not. I don't think he's evil. No, not at all. He's got a vision and it is not a great idea. But he's not out to bring around the underworld. Minus the comment about you better go back and get ready to learn Klingon. Right. Right. There was hints of e- there was not hints. I mean, that that's pretty shitty. Unless his plan is, I'm going to thaw out all these guys and we're going to take Earth back over and fuck any Klingons that are around because they're all going to get kicked down the hallways and spaced. Uh, but everything you see in this episode, I think. You know, again, go back to Rick Sanchez. He is not evil, per se. Machiavellian. That's not even really Machiavellian. Like he, he's a true he's, believer.
0: You know, he thinks that he's like,
1: not willing. Like later in the episode, push comes to shove, and he demonstrates that
0: he's not willing to go all the way. Yes, that is probably the key drama, right there. Yes, yeah, with how willing, how far is Erickson willing to go to accomplish his goals? That is what this episode is about. I want to talk about Malik real quick. Yeah.
1: Malik is the lead augment. Malik has uh claimed praxis over the 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 group having disposed of the previous uh leader guy. Malik is for all intents and purposes shaping up to be quite the pathological liar. And he's played by Mark Alexander Newman or Alec Newman as IMDb goes. You want to talk about a fucking history. This guy and it's funny, too, because when you look at this guy as an actor in this role, what do you think his primary feature is? His chin. Physical acting that he's. Yeah. Yeah. Like he appears to be a stunt man for all intents and purposes. And they yeah, said, does OK, Wushu,
0: so yeah, like, you know, he's got a physical presence. Yeah, absolutely.
1: The amount of voice acting this guy does is fucking ridiculous. You name a video game. This guy's a voice actor on it and up to and I would say the most important <laughs> this will be his name moving forward this guy's Adam Smasher
0: oh that's awesome
1: <laughs> he's Adam Smasher in Cyberpunk 2077 he's Adam Smasher in Edge Runners uh, and he's also uh, plays Anders Hellman which was the creator of the relic chip which is very pertinent because I just did that mission three nights ago where uh, you get him in the hotel room
0: uh, he was Gabriel Angelos and Dawn of War. Damn. Okay. Yeah. He's British. Okay. He's British. Uh, Scottish. Make, yeah. Okay. This this is making a lot more sense now. This dude is a real actor, but he's also okay. This this also means he is very much a stage actor. Okay. Like this is mm-hmm. this is a guy who uh, worked uh, as, to be a stage actor. Oh, he was uh, he was in the miniseries version of Dune as Paul Atreides. He's Victor Frankenstein in the TV movie. Let's see, who was Graydon? That makes a, that 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 really works with the persona he went with with this character. He's so over the top. That was clearly the direction he was given. Was actually just being Ricardo Montalbán. We speculated, I'm willing to commit to the idea that that is what he was told to do.
1: He was like, a witch hunter in uh, Witcher 3. So, yeah, and interesting that, you know, we've kind of dismissed him off as a stuntman and the dude's got massive voice acting chops. And it's interesting to see exactly what you're saying. You know, that bigger than life presentation, which, again, fits what these augments are supposed to be. But
0: yeah, Adam Smasher. So <laughs> it's all coming together. It's all coming together. So the NXO one. Did have some coordinates that they got from soon before, you know, he managed his escape, which was the planet where he raised all of the augments and they find themselves there and they are poking through a sort of like a, a, a domed cave. It's kind of an odd structure where there's a lot of beds, there's a lot of technical equipment, there's tables, there's chairs, then they start poking through and sure enough, this is certainly where they were or I should say Tucker finds that there's um some unplugged medical equipment that they need to identify. There's oh, also Archer. the classic red laser tubes, which I found
1: uh, Memory Alpha actually lower decks named those uh Tucker tubes.
0: Oh, yeah. It's it's nice that they it's nice that they did that. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And you know Archer's like looking through old home movies of him like cutting birthday cake for him and Sure enough, we see lurking in the background there is a uh, someone in post-apocalyptic gear lurking around with a knife. He, uh, in an unexpected twist of competency, he rustles against the wall, and Malcolm Reed is on the case with a gun in hand, properly pointed.
1: Yeah, There's... he must have been scolded between season three and four
0: about how to hold a gun. Hey, remember that guy who died? Who was way better at your job? Hold your gun like he did.
1: Which, how crazy that uh, they reused Hayes as the new first officer to replace Riker and Nemesis.
0: Well, it was actually, he, Hayes was used as a Mako after that. So they, he probably got that work and then they put him on doing enterprise as a guest actor. Cause they liked him. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Probably happened now. Probably on the same time. They're probably shooting both at the same time. So he's there and he gets both jobs. Cause it's easy that way. Sure. Um, Well, listen, if Mr. Jump to Conclusions can be... (laughs) Oh, hold on. Hold on. Spoilers. Let's pump the brakes. brakes. Spoilers. I told you there was an amazing cameo this week. (laughs) Yeah. They cornered this uh, post-apocalyptic guy who's much smaller, uh, much more normal looking, with a bunch of pointed phasers, but once Archer mentions he's from Earth, he tries to attack him, and... You can't do that. Can't do that, Jonathan Archer. He has too many ways of dis of of giving you head wounds. He's experienced them all. He's he has strong in the trek kung fu. He gives him a spinning back fist, and he falls to the ground. And so they have this unknown person who's clearly connected to the arguments in some way, but is kind of a jabroni because Archer was able to one punch man him.
1: Again, the scenes where they're showing. Of uh, soon doing a birthday party and like asking the kids, OK, who wants cake? I feel like it's so important to the episode and of the story arc, because everything we've seen up to soon up into this point has been. That Rick Sanchez. Antagonistic villainous mad scientist. And putting these humanizing factors in uh, makes emotional payoff later in this episode so much more potent. Yeah, agreed. Uh, You know, there's the Archer gets a jump to conclusion. Matt out sees uh, some cut fiber optic cables. Hey, what used to be here? What what do you care, Cap? Let's let's No, We need to know what this equipment was. It's important. I've seen the Uh.
0: script. We need to know what this stuff is. There's going to be important context clues. I don't think there's a jump conclusions map there at all. You you know that he already stole the embryos once. He raised them once. He he did that somehow. You know it's his goal to do it again. I mean, come on. Like, that's that's a pretty easy just little step forward to make. Like, we should know what that is. Let's find out. I got a bad feeling about this.
1: Who is... I'm looking at this guy uh, who we're going to l- l- meet here, Udar, this lurking shadows guy. For a second, I thought it was a Samwise Ganji. <laughs> <laughs> he's,
0: he's discount Samwise Ganji.
1: Yeah, I see it. I do see it. He's in the commish. David Scali, is that his son? I never Kajd watched the commish. Eric
0: Erickson. Oh, who is this? He's Canadian. Hmm. Hell he, on wheels. He, you he, know, he's had a career. And the last time though, he was on anything was like 2016.
1: He's due for some uh, Stranger Things, man. Come on, throw this guy a bone. <laughs> he could be Joyce's next boyfriend. <laughs> she reminds him a lot of her last boyfriend that got mauled by
0: a. Uh, well, I mean, th- this is. Um, we're actually let, let's let's hold on this guy because the next scene actually adds to the, the real drama and that is soon versus his son malik right and, and this is this is framed around the murder that uh malik uh executed on against the fo- former alpha of the uh, of the uh augments uh Racken. Raskin. so it's soon
1: sitting there looking at a pad i remember this pad i gave it to and reminiscing and I think this is a great side of Brett Spiner that we've never been able to see. He's always been mired by shtick. Uh, no emotion data, uh, crumbling, falling apart, Elder soon, psycho lore, right? Right. Now, hey, where is my son? You know, uh, he. We, we used to look at the stars together. He was so smart. He was so bright. Maybe there's shades of favored sun there. Oh yeah. Where the fuck is he? Nobody's willing to say anything. I want answers.
0: And if there was any doubt in the viewer's mind that Malik was going to be Adam Smasher, please use the proper terminology. If Malik was going to be Adam Smasher, right? Mm-hmm. That is probably erased right here. Because clearly chooses to manipulate the fatherly feelings that soon has that he knows soon has for him and everyone else into accepting extremely sanitized version of events where he punctuates his explanation with emotion specifically to draw his desire to comfort him and forgive him into being and the, the show doesn't explain this in any way except trusting you to have seen Malik's actions before, noted the malice in which they occurred. Yes. And then just watch him just openly lie about it and just look at his eyes at the end. That's it. Such, he says that they got in an maturity, argument. maturity. You know, yeah. like, I love
1: it. Says that they got in an argument. They both pulled knives on each other. Uh, he came after him. He stabbed him. It was too late. He tried to save him, whatever. No mention of, uh, you know, I set him up with a fucking shotgun that didn't have <laughs> that but, that <laughs> little little things in the tubes that didn't even have bullets, let alone fucking holes for the bullets to come out of. Um, The opening scene when they're 11 years ago, was it? What was the class? Because it's Malik that is the center of the shot from the children. Was Malik putting off creep vibes there? I don't remember. I don't think so.
0: I, I, they were all.
1: I, I think, think it's just. It was just soon basically saying uh, humans hate you and you need to be careful, right?
0: Right. The idea here is, of course, that soon is responsible for what it, he, he, me sowing this is great, me reaping what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, We see this and we see Soong's compassion. We see Soong's love. Like he, these are his children. He does not fucking around when he says that. He acts and and accepts and believes these to be his children. And again, keep in
1: mind, he handpicked these 19 out of thousands. Soong is super smart. It's reasonable to believe that he read all of the files. And again, of all these 1800, these are his 19 most favorite. That he then personally
0: modified further. To Doesn't. make them even better. So uh, Air you, quotes on the better. Yeah, more <laughs> effective. Um, we cut back to Enterprise after this, and that's when we finally see Archer and Udar have a conversation. And uh, he's fine, aside from the spinning back fist, giving him a bit of a, a, a welt on the jaw. And we find out Udar has a, a, a second name, which is Snike, I think. And that is no Smike. And that is apparently named after the handicapped character of a book named Nicholas Nickleby that I've never heard of. It's a Dickens yeah. novel. I'm sorry. This is a Public literary school, reference. school, my bad. Yeah. Well, I went to private school. I still didn't fucking read this thing. Like, the only Dickens novel <laughs> I read in school was Christmas Carol, like everybody else.
1: Hmm.
0: And he... He's named that because he doesn't actually have any augments. For whatever reason, he was, he, his shit did not combine correctly to give him superhuman powers. He is a normal dude. And that wasn't good enough. He is their sibling, but he had to be outcast from, from the group because he was not capable enough. This is a real complex character, and
1: I liked him a lot. He has loyalty to the group, despite the fact he was clearly ostracized. Uh, I'm curious if it was Raken that ran him off. If it was a group decision that this guy was not going to be good enough to roll with him. Uh, If it was a well, he said it was about a year ago that he had separated. Do we have any idea what the time frame was of them getting off of the planet initially?
0: I mean, that's all happened just recently.
1: I think we know that. So they outcast him well before any of this stuff happened.
0: That appears to be the case. Yes,
1: uh, there is a loyalty to the group. There is an admiration of the group, and then there is the twisted upbringing. I, is it a twisted up? This is soon telling them that humans fear you. You're better than the humans, uh, and then being. I would say erring on the side of caution in terms of like, if you ever go back to earth, they're going to imprison you or maybe kill you. Uh, They fear you because you are everything they want to be and never will be able to. uh, And basically playing up the superiority superiority. But this guy, even though he's not really, uh, he doesn't have up the juice of an augment still under the impression that earth is the enemy that Archer is there to kill him. That when he goes back to Earth, he's gonna go in jail. And Archer's like real chill about things. Like, nah, man, I know you were running around with a knife and tried to attack me when I told you who I was. Uh, but you know, I've turned I've the had, other I've cheek. Been through some things the last year, or so you're not as scary as you used to be. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I'm such a big man now. I didn't even take advantage of an opportunity to get punched in the mouth. Don't worry, that'll come later. <laughs> come, ah! later. Uh, <laughs> tundras, Yes, yeah, we there, we there. Why don't you come uh, have uh, dinner with me or may eat steak on our delicious enterprise budget? Half of this episode's budget has gone into these delicious prime ribs, and you're welcome to have one of them. Hey, you should think about going to school. Uh, you know, we are not the enemy, and I have a feeling that you have a misunderstanding of what actually happened. So please have all of our history books, which have been written by the victors of the war, which I'm <laughs> sure
0: <laughs> be very unbiased. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I. This is where you start to get a little explanation of what the uh, the whole augment eugenics war thing is about. To the degree that they can explain it, and I feel like they kind of do enough. The first hint of that is when he's talking to Udar and he gives him, "Oh, you, I actually know who your father and your mother are. Your father was this famous, uh, like intellectual." and your mother was this famous athlete and here's pads about them and you start to understand oh okay this makes a lot of sense what was the eugenics war it was an attempt by the 0.01% of the elite to have the perfect children right like you you've the smartest guy and you have the most capable athletic woman let's put them together let's let's create a a natural genetic superman and then let's go in with science over the top and just m- and fine tune it and Gattaca it. It. and Gattaca. It. Exactly. That's what it was, is that they made Superman. And then once they came to maturity, they immediately attempted to take over. And <clears throat>
1: while you've got this history in the background, you're seeing the events unfold again. There's a blueprint and history repeats itself. Uh, the supermen have. uh Means available at their disposal to live life however they want. They're no longer confined to the surface, and immediately there are power struggles, they make war upon themselves, there are deaths, and there are civilians I'm sorry, not civilians, but there are bystanders caught in the crossfires. Who are treated as disposable from the start. Absolutely. How much of this jives, if we're to take Strange New Worlds uh, tomorrow, 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 with, uh, the Nunyan Singh advancement for what?
0: Whatever the thing, the 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 facility that their Khan was found in in that episode. Gosh, and do we
1: want to take that as congruent canon, or do we want to view this as just? I think it's still con-
0: it's conveying some of the similar um, ideas. Because somebody would have had
1: to start initially. Khan, Wrath of Khan, had to be born somehow. So was he like? First generation augment?
0: Well, I think that's what they're saying here is it was the first generation. No, and overall, because it didn't take but a few of these genetic supermen to create global chaos that killed 35 million people and result in wars with that had this sort of near cataclysm on Earth as a consequence. So do you think that Khan
1: let's say that Khan was grown Khan was a science project.
0: If we're Khan use, and what, his ilk, his first generation. Uh, and they and then, they went. They broke so bad that the other eighteen hundred fucking embryos they had, they would not allow to be born. So,
1: do you think the the Noonien Singh Sing advancement of culture commissioned eighteen hundred? Do you think Khan got in with a couple and said, "Cool, we're the future of humanity." Round up the best humanity has to offer, force breed them, and then we'll augment them further with genetic engineering. From there, because I think that's the more sinister, and I think for Star Trek, the more plausible was,
0: yeah, I okay, agree.
1: there needs to be yeah. more of us, and you know we're not. It's AI. This isn't AI building more AI, but it's f- find me the best out there, and that will be the blueprints that we work from, and we will repopulate Earth in our own image, and then we'll get rid of the humans and then we'll be able to interbreed from like, you know, pull a 37s here. Uh,
0: yeah, I think, I think you've nailed it. I think that's kind of what they're saying is this is how it started. It started with the 0.01% of earth thinking they could beat the, uh, the, the genetic lottery and interfere with how life is created. Cause the augments
1: held continents. So it's not unreasonable to think they didn't have facilities dedicated
0: to making more of them. Right. And then we, we hear from Archer that after they find out it's incubators that are missing from the planet, that Starfleet takes this seriously enough that they, they don't want those 1800 embryos to be unfrozen, right? And they were left frozen. This is such a mid 2000s thing, right? Like no one knew what to do with them. Because they, what are, are they life? Are they human life? This goes unanswered by the uh episode and instead suggests in fact this question remains unanswered into the far future so much so that rather than kill them they froze them seemed like uh kicking the can down the road we will just put it in a facility where no one can touch them and they are just frozen in time and in space you don't (laughs) have to worry about the moral implications as this is all burman era trek
1: And you said, like, I know Bashir in section 31, like such potent technology when your back's really up against the wall with like Dominion War board shit like, and you know, you could make dudes that can take Klingons out hand to hand. Like what a big tool to have as your like emergency O shit button.
0: Well, I mean we're when we get into DS9, don't you worry. <laughs> all right. Don't you worry. These are theme, these are themes that you will not miss. And it's themes they've
1: already explored, so what they should be doing with this is like coloring in the front half of that
0: idea with these past episodes. Yeah, and this this episode is better because of all the free thing you get in DS9 that also helps fill out like how people with genetic engineering are treated in the Federation. Speaking of filling out
1: Uh, Adam Smasher up in bed with Perseus. Was that her name? Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the hilarious part. So they're in bed. Uh, Adam Smasher is thinking out loud about how he doesn't like the fact that a human is leading the group and that he has outgrown uh, his father. And he's basically looking for his next act of uh, treachery treason. And Perseus isn't having it the hilarity here everybody's wearing shirts that look like are leftovers from when they're 15 and they're just ripped and tattered
0: right they just not they've slowly failed to expand with the body incredible hulk right mm-hmm.
1: cut to them laying in bed and she has on this purple tank top that is just in perfect
0: condition <laughs> and well, it's just like, gonna... what where did this thing come from and then she goes and puts on the ripped shit again later yeah, like
1: Clearly, you've got a stash of clothing somewhere because that is not a Klingon tank top.
0: You've got, oh, I only wear my finest skank tops to bed. Clearly, the actress said, if I'm going to roll around in bed in the scene with this guy, I'm wearing some more sturdy clothing. Come on. Also, high def twin peaks. Like, there's a lot of, like, blatant nipple shots in this thing. Like, they- I'm not the first in the show.
1: I mean, we, we had straight up see through shit in season three. Yeah. But still, they're, they're like, OK, make sure that all of her scenes
0: are from the profile. Uh, and he, and of course. Not- I, yeah, she's she is still pro uh soon. She does not want to hear about an overthrow, which is. I think again, like very interesting plot development here. All the
1: body language I see through this episode, I don't think any of the augments are keen on disposing of soon, except for Malik. Correct.
0: And, um, you know, but Adam Smasher does in fact identify a piece of fuckable meat and <laughs> proceeds to continue to romance her in only the way he can after kind of getting the read that she's not in favor of that, yeah. which is like what, you know, like kind <laughs> of, okay, I have to play this slower. And they take over a Denoblian medical ship. And interesting that the Denoblians are
1: a key part of cold station 12.
0: Yes. It's it. It sounds like that's something that earth reached out to them to do because they have such medical uh, expertise
1: as a species. Interesting too, that Vulcans are nowhere in the mix and Vulcans should have the strongest relationship with earth of any of the alien species. And yet they are nowhere included in this. And it makes you wonder like, what would the Vulcan reaction be? It's illogical to have all this dangerous shit laying around. It's time to kill it with fire. Okay. You know what? Uh, Actually, (laughs) thanks for your, offer to work on the cold station 12 but i think we're gonna go with uh option denoblian instead
0: i mean as we will find out there's a natural reason for that Denobleans are comfortable with genetic engineering uh they're comfortable and experts at it actually yeah but there's more going on here than just genetic engineering like
1: the, oh, the yeah. viral uh databases other stuff like interesting choice, and I think ultimately it's just to have a reason why Flocks would know anything about this fucking place, but still pretty cool choices. Hey, there's a denobling science ship coming in. Um, Malik, uh, I'm sorry, Adam Smasher, I really appreciate your suggestion that we kill everybody on the space station with I uh, I don't know, beam them into space or whatever fucking monstrous shit you came up with. We're not killing anybody. Another good clash point between uh, Rick Sanchez and an Adam Smasher, some very good body language where Adam Smasher is like, why is this dude stepping? Like, why is this guy making things harder than it needs to be? We can just kill everybody and move on. I love Brett Spiner's like, like, no, we're not doing it. like, yeah, go back and watch the episode just for his um, delivery of shooting him
0: down on that. He's definitely a kind of a dad speaking to a younger son that hasn't seen him in a while. You know, like I'm still kind of treating you like my kids, but you're adults now. There's if there's a, little a bit of that, if there's a way to criticize
1: the episode, it is that. He never has the conversation with like, look, guys, we can't be fucking monsters about this. All right. Yeah. We're already wanted men. If we go five star rating on this. We're going to have a fleet coming after us instead of just Enterprise We need to prove that we're better. Let's not repeat the past. Let's grow past blah, 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 blah. But again, you know, he's kind of got this megalomaniac aspect himself. Never feels the need to stop and explain himself or reinforce like this is why we're not killing all the humans we come across.
0: It's just I say no. That's the rule. Your kids. I'm the adult. Right. He doesn't feel a need to explain the logic of not getting too much aggro that we have to balance between credible threat and something that is not worth responding to at the level of force we can't handle. We have to thread the needle. And the moment you come up with a fucking human corpse out of this, we are fucked, okay? <laughs> they are going to come down as the hammer of God. Kill so all the Klingons we want,
1: because they're probably on our long-term list of things to like fix in our ideal universe of tomorrow. right. But we cannot be the bad guys. We we cannot be evil. Yeah, to humans. So a big fatal flaw there in his decision-making tree, which is critical for any good Star Trek
0: antagonist. So there's a through line that begins around this time in the episode that uh, I I imagine you picked up on and has interesting backstory too. And that is when Archer informs Phlox that the director of Cold Station 12 is his f- friend, and I say that with air, air quotes, Jeremy Lucas, who we know. This is the person that Flox uh, has done correspondence with, most importantly, in Dear Doctor, and has been established as someone that he's certainly familiar with. This show is definitely trying to make sure that you understand that Flox and Jeremy Lucas are very good friends. <laughs> They're very, very close. And yes, it is confirmed from the producers. I couldn't find the record of this in memory alpha, but it was 100% in the cultural zeitgeist uh, closer to when this came out. They wanted to make them explicitly confirmed for gay. That was the intention was... We know Flocks has got very open with his romantic relationships, and that Denoblians have tons. It's to
1: Paul in the decontamination chamber. Then he wants nothing to do with it, and clearly not his thing. He's into chubby dudes. He, you know, he's, he likes. Which what reinforces that. You know what? Go back to whatever that fucking terrible episode where, uh, and to Paul's horny,
0: and yeah, that's why he didn't want anything to do with it.
1: She's, she's he's, he's...
0: Even his wife that came on board was more of a more of a milf, you know, mm-hmm. he's got a type and then it's going to there's just got to be volume, right?
1: Cushion for the pushing.
0: <laughs> so uh, the idea that Fox, being somebody with a ton of romantic entanglements who's very open about them would also be banging Dr. Lucas actually makes perfect sense. Okay, that 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 conforms to our available fact pattern about flocks and the argument was made that hey ds9 we already had we had lady gays all right we did that we did lesbians but two dudes hits different they struck it down the idea of making it explicit but they left all the
1: subtext in for you to pick it up i didn't pick up on it um I, my head cannon is that the uh, guy who gets stuck in the execution chamber might have just been a dick that nobody actually likes. So <laughs> it
0: was like the office chud
1: <laughs> made, a, made it easy for Lucas to be a good administrator. But you know, then there's his pen pal that he's known a long time, uh, and just an actual friend, and that's what was forced it over. But
0: I see now what you're saying, and cool. I, yeah, you know, the, it works the big, good. The big hint. Of where it was going to be explicit is when Malik comes back over and asks Dr. Lucas, "I heard your colleagues talking about you and Dr. Flocks." Is what I hear true? And they don't respond. And that was mm. going to be in a different universe where confirmed for gay, but instead they 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 subbed it out for something that was implied, and then execute on what happens there. So it works. It and works. It it's does. a shame that they
1: did scrub the gay out. Because I think that would have put Lucas in a better light having cause like this. I come out of this being like Lucas must really look like fucking garbage to his employees. Now it's like you let Dr. Patel fucking die of regellian <laughs> eye plague. But then you save the second guy like saving flocks makes the initial sacrifice like go way worse. Uh, so, whatever.
0: Uh, we're at an hour already, Peter.
1: Yeah. Time flies uh, when you've actually got things
0: to talk about. And I'm happy for that, by the way. Like, the, the fourth season obviously has a, a lower amount of episodes overall. So I'm not really um, displeased with the idea of us making extra content. But I, I we struggled for so long through so much shit. Early in this show, so many just bad to low-mid episodes that were were just hard to get through and hard sometimes to find things to talk about. Because
1: it was throwaway bullshit plot slash alien of the week. And the weakness of Enterprise is that they should have so much foundational material to explore instead of doing stuff that in any way relates to subsequent Series or big events, it was just through oh, we're on the cowboy planet, oh, we're on the mud planet, oh, this episode doesn't even happen at all because the timey wimy brain worms versus now we are close to earth, we're touching uh franchise pillar plot elements in this case, um you know uh augments you got one of the, the the most important Trek actors of all time, Brett Spiner, putting in banger performances and it's all relevant, right? Everything yeah. is meat that is on the bone here.
0: And I feel, you know, this is the reward for having slugged through what we've already done. Right. And, and sh- I don't mention this often enough, perhaps shout out to our fans. You guys are a bunch of psychos. I can't believe that you guys have hung in there through some of the crap that we've had to endure, particularly with watching the first couple seasons of enterprise. But every week I see it. There's just, there's just a bunch of people downloading the shit. Like I'm, I'm glad I'm really happy, <laughs> but fuck this show is, was not good. And then it's, it's storming of the gates into quality over kind of the last third of season three directly into now is just a stunning reversal. And, and- you know, what I, I, I want to savor it. I don't mind spending extra episodes talking about these because uh, like we, we earned it, you know, and there's a the trade off,
1: right? Like the shitty episodes that sucked. It's easier to be funny because they're sure. bad episodes and it's easy to make fun of it. I don't really know where our humor level has been over the past couple episodes. Um, probably were plenty funny about Borderlands with the big show and all the uh, the whole train. Don't worry. Sure. But I, uh, you know, we're not comedians doing a a Star Trek podcast to poke fun and, and laugh at it and be mean. Like we're legit Star Trek fans. And this is why I watch Star Trek is for good stuff like this. And yeah, it gets harder to make the jokes or there's not a need to make the jokes to fill up airtime because
0: there's like legit cool shit to discuss. Is this why I can't listen to newbie Star Trek? Have you ever listened to them? They've become a relatively popular Star Trek podcast of mostly LA comedians all kind of in the zoomer category. And there's two that are big Trek fans and there's two who have never watched it. And the two who have never watched it, watch the episodes along with everybody else. And then they have to summarize what happens, but they're being LA comedians about it. Sure. And they, and they, they do too much joking and they're not enough, like trying to treat what's going on from a serious dramatic perspective. And so they can be into like their jokes are funny, but when it comes to like the really like good episodes, like, you know, the, the first duty or something like that, they, they're not getting it the way you kind of hope them to, or they're like making the turn into appreciating it. And, you know, for, for this, for us, we, we, vibe different. We like to dig in deep and, you know, I hope everyone else is down for that too, because I'm looking forward to talking about this for another hour yeah, um, in our next and that's episode. not to say
1: every one of these episodes is going to be a two-parter, no. but certainly this three-part arc—the uh, first two episodes have been plot-rich, uh, lore-rich, and performance-rich. So,
0: yeah, we're going to take our our, our advantage. We're going to take advantage of that while we can. So, thank you for listening to Vija Please, we'll be back again next week for our part two
1: of our review of Cold Station Twelve. Now if you excuse me I have to go back to Night City I've got some (laughs) business to attend to (laughs)